0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. okay today we are doing a fun question and answer episode sometimes we do these we'll keep this one on the short side you know which is good because some of our episodes get really long and i understand they get really heavy because we're talking about really big important stuff like low-key if you listen to relatable you really know what's going on in the world not every single news story because we're not necessarily a news show we stop and we pause and we talk about a story or a trend that's happening that may have been in headlines a couple weeks ago, but is especially pertinent to us right now as Christians. And we talk about Why we should think about this and how we should think about this and how we should approach it. And we really try to peel back the layers on everything that's going on, not just telling you what's happening, but why what's happening matters. Sometimes I think about that, I'm like, wow, the guests we have and the stories that we talk about are really, really important. If I do say so myself, I don't think that's patting myself on the back. It takes a whole village to do this whole thing. And plus, as I like to say, you guys really are the executive producers. And so you guys tell me what you want to talk about. So we're we're all in this. We're all in this together, but I'm just I'm just thankful and I'm proud of relatable for the stories that we give. But we can't do that every single day because we kind of get burnt out on it, which is why we do strictly theological episodes sometimes, we do some more like evergreen episodes and then we do these fun Q&A episodes. We will talk about serious stuff. I am getting asked serious questions, as I always am. But there's some fun stuff, too. And there's some some lighter stuff that's not quite so topical and so news-heavy or so even theologically heavy. Um, and so I'm going to go through as many questions as I can. Sometimes I get carried away and I uh, take too long on answering a question. I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try not to do that today. One of the reasons also, though, we are not doing a news episode today is because I'm traveling. Yesterday I was in Ann Arbor michigan speaking to some high school students so i'm traveling today i recorded this last week as you're listening to it it'll be last week um but then we'll be back tomorrow with all the new and news stuff all right first question i'm going to answer is it biblical to pray before meals i think that's a great question my opinion is that it is not necessary biblically necessary to pray before meals but there is a biblical foundation for it one example Acts 27:35 ESV that's the version I use and when he had said these things he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all he broke it and began to eat and so that is just one example of the breaking of bread by Christians um in order to give thanks to God or the the praying of Christians uh, before breaking bread to give thanks to God for what he has done for us and what he has provided for us. And that, of course, was Paul in that Acts chapter. And then there's also Ephesians six eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's not meal specific, but that basically says just pray at all times. We should be praying before we do lots of things, not just eating, but I do think that there is a biblical precedent for praying before meals. It definitely couldn't hurt. And so I think that's kind of how we determine what we do is not just what does the Bible say to do or not to do, but what based on biblical principles glorifies God the most. I also think it sets a good example for the people around you and in particular, your children. Here's a question that I get a lot, and that is, how are you so bold in the things that you talk about when people are so brutal today? Yes, people are brutal. You guys know if you follow me on Instagram that I get plenty of mean messages. I get really nasty messages from people who consider themselves much more empathetic and loving and tolerant than I am, of course. Uh, You know, they wish me death. They They wish me awful things that would happen to me and my family, all while saying it is I I am the one that is being hateful simply because I said something they don't know how to intellectually actually refute. And so they just go on the attack. That's what emotional, unintellectual people do. And so I try to remember that. I try to remember that they're coming from a place of insecurity. If they were actually able to refute anything that I say, they would try to do so in some kind of logical manner. But when you are so frustrated by your lack of capacity to actually be able to articulate anything in a way that makes sense, then, of course, you are going to lash out emotionally. Um, you know, we see that with uh, you see that in one sense and I mean this in like the most compassionate way, but you see that with a. Uh, a young child who is just learning to speak. When they aren't able to articulate what they want, sometimes that erupts in a temper tantrum. And we have a lot of understanding and patience for toddlers because they are just learning how to talk. There's not a whole lot of excuse. There's not a whole lot of excuses for adults who are unable to articulate their disagreement or their desires or their thoughts. And so they erupt in a temper tantrum that concludes in them sending you threats via DM on Instagram. I don't have a whole lot of patience for that. So, But I do try to remember that those people are just apparently intellectually stunted. And so I try to have some kind of compassion for them there. And I also have to remember that if they are sending that kind of threat or they're sending that kind of mean message, that they also they just need Christ. Um, that they're probably not actually stupid. Um, they probably don't actually really lack to They lack the capacity, um, but they lack the heart, the soft heart to be able to communicate in a way that is not only logical, but also is sympathetic and makes any kind of moral sense either. Um, And so I just try to, I don't always do this well, but I try to respond kindly. A kind word can turn away wrath. Doesn't always, but it can. And, or I just block them. I do a lot of blocking. I do a lot of blocking of trolls. And also when it comes to speaking things that are unpopular, once you say it, once you say that thing that you're like, oh, I could never say that. That's too scary. I'm going to get pushback. I'm going to get backlash. And you just say it, you get a lot braver after that. We talk about how courage begets courage. Someone stands up and does something courageous, goes against the grain, how that courage is infectious, that it spreads to other people and then other people stand up and say, you know what, me too. I believe that unpopular thing. I'm going to take this unpopular but right stance. But it's also contagious within yourself, if that makes sense. So you're you're courageous in one instance, and that reminds you that you can do it again. It's just like with any kind of physical... Challenge. If you, the reason that you train for a marathon or train, I've never run a marathon, but I ran a half marathon many moons ago. And you don't have to run the full 13 miles before you actually race in a half marathon. You train every week a little bit more. Maybe you add a mile, two miles, whatever it is. I don't remember. And every week that you add another mile, the fact that you had previously run almost that far helps you get to the finish line because you remind yourself, I've done this before. I've done almost this exact same thing before and I ran almost this many miles last week and I only have to run one more mile in addition to what I ran last week. And I know I can run one more mile. It's the same thing with anything you do, with any challenge you face, any obstacle you face. Once you practice, once you practice bravery, and you practice being outspoken, and you manage the backlash that you get for saying something that you know is right and true and necessary, then you realize, okay, you can do it again. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah, no one likes bullies. No one likes me messages. No one likes being trolled. And even worse than that, no one likes your friends turning their back on you, or people at your church, or whatever it is. But their response is not your indicator of whether or not you should say something or whether or not you're being obedient to God. Their response is their responsibility. It's not yours. Your indicator of whether or not something is necessary and right is whether or not it aligns with God's word. That is your standard. That is your indicator of whether or not you should say something. You can say it kindly, yes, you can say it with compassion, but if something is true, If God's word says that it is true, and you see a lot of people believing lies, then it is your responsibility to say something. And look, there are going to be Christians. This is the worst. This is worse than the trolls in a lot of ways. There are going to be Christians that if you say, hey, man is a man, woman is a woman. Hey, abortion is murder. Hey, the government is not God or a caretaker, whatever unpopular stance it is. You're going to get tone policed by social justice Christians. They're going to tell you, it's your tone. That's why the world hates you. It's your tone. If you were just nicer, if you're just sweeter, if you just didn't use such harsh language, which I'm not saying that we should be purposely inflammatory or brutal in what we say. I'm not saying that at all. But just realize that the world hates you, Christian. The world hates what you're saying, Christian, not because of your tone, but because they hate the truth. They don't hate your tone. They hate the truth. Okay? We remember Jesus, who was full of grace and truth. We remember Stephen, maybe a better example, full of grace and truth, because Stephen wasn't fully man, fully God. He wasn't culminating the prophecies of redemption and all of that. He was just a man, but he was full of grace and truth. And what was the response when he shared the gospel? It was hate. It was vitriol. It was rejection. He was stoned to death. Okay, so any Christian who says, well, if your tone were nicer, if you just used the right pronouns... Like, if you just said, if you just raised your fist and said Black Lives Matter and you forgot about the fact that it's a totally corrupt organization that has never done anything for black lives, if you just like give a little bit to the world, if you're just a little bit sweeter, then the world will love you and you'll win more people to Christ. What precedent do we have for that in the Bible? So just be aware that you're going to get tone policed and you're going to get people who say, Matthew 7, 1, you shouldn't judge as if that means that we shouldn't discern good from evil, right from wrong. We are supposed to be innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. Of course, we're supposed to discern right from wrong. What do you think Paul was doing when he was writing the letters to the churches and calling them to repentance and not to sin? Was he violating Matthew 7 1? Of course not. As Christians, we are to discern humbly what is right, what is wrong, and admonish one another who are in the faith. And yes, speak the truth in love because we are supposed to be sources of clarity in an age of chaos. And you're going to get people who say, oh, you're just supposed to love people. As we often say, God is love. 1 John 4 8, whatever he says is right and wrong, good and evil, true and false, he says from love. The most loving thing that we can do is agree with him. So withstand the Unpopularity withstand the backlash. If what you are saying is necessary and right and true, according to the God who authors truth and who is love, then say it and come what may. All right. Uh, let me I'll, I'll get to the next question in just one second but let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day and that is annie's kit club so annie's kit Club sends you a kit every month with all the materials and directions that you need to make a project you can try out a new hobby or give your kids a steady supply of constructive kits whether your kids are into crafting woodworking or stem projects annie's kit clubs has a membership for them your kids can learn new skills they can express themselves they can gain confidence they can be good problem solvers and critical thinkers. We need a lot more of that today. With Annie's Kit Clubs, you can keep the whole family engaged and creative with hands-on monthly kits. So go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. When you do, you can get 75% off your first month. What an amazing deal. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off that first month. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Someone asks, how was your day today? I hope it is a happy one. Well, that's very sweet. That is not a mean message from someone who disagrees with me. Uh, Let's see, my day today, well, as I am recording this, it is only, it is 1257 Eastern time. And so it hasn't, I've been basically recording all morning because I had to stow away some episodes since I am traveling and so it's been a good day I mean I love recording I love talking about the things that we um talk about it's always an early morning in the stucky household with two babies running around that's just the way it is um, but it's very sunny where I am and it's warm where I am and I love that and I'm about to also as I'm recording this go into the weekend which is pretty exciting I hope your day is wonderful too makeup routine this is something that you guys ask me about a lot and I have gotten a lot of requests even though this is not like my brand because I'm not a lifestyle influencer and I don't pretend to be I've gotten a lot of requests to do a video of my makeup routine I'm not going to do that because honestly I I'm not in, I shouldn't say I'm insecure about like doing my makeup it's just that I'm not an expert, you know, some things that you do and you're confident enough to do it yourself, but you wouldn't be confident enough to teach someone else how to do it because you're not confident that how you do it is correct. I just feel like I would do it. And people would be like, why are you putting that on first? Why are you using that brush? Why are you doing it that way? And, you know, I get plenty of criticism about other things. I don't know if I want to subject myself to that criticism since it's just not necessary. I have talked about the the different things that I use. I mean, I use Adele Natural Cosmetics a lot for a a lot of the stuff that I put on my face. Um, I don't know. I've used some of the same brands since like 10th grade, which is probably not great. I just use foundation and bronzer. And um, I do swear by Tarte Cosmetics Shape Tape under my eyes. I love that stuff, as I have said before. I don't care what it's made of. I don't care if it is made from the saliva of Jezebel I will keep using that because it works so well and it is so effective so that's like the one thing that I would say one of the things that I would say that I like really recommend just because I really like it but I don't do anything special I don't do any special like contouring sometimes I'll randomly get into like maybe watching YouTube videos about it but really I don't or mostly Instagram videos because they're quicker I just, I've never been like a brand's gal and I've never been like a designer gal when it comes to anything. I've never known about designers or different places to shop or different places to get your makeup. I've only recently started doing a good skincare routine through Adele Cosmetics. And so that's just me. I'm probably not the best person to ask about the makeup routine, but I'm I'm flattered. I appreciate you asking because I guess that means that you like my makeup, so I appreciate that. What is my take on Elon Musk and being Twitter's largest shareholder? I think it's a great thing. Now, do I think he's going to have that much influence? Maybe, possibly. Although I do think the people on the board of Twitter, the people running Twitter are just ideologically on the left. And so they're just not, probably going to be swayed by Elon Musk. Elon Musk is not a conservative himself. I would call him heterodox and moderate in a lot of ways. And he questions a lot of mainstream left-wing narratives, which I think is really important to do, even if we don't agree on everything. He has talked about the birth rate being low. He's talked about the dangers of censorship. I think he disagrees with just like dystopian wokeness in general and the denial of truth. But I mean, he acquiesces to like the CCP. And so I I don't think he's like completely on our side. I do think it's cool how the richest man in the world does have heterodox views and does have that much influence. And I think it's cool that he bought the majority of shares in, uh, in in Twitter. He is the largest shareholder in Twitter. I think that that is really cool. And I hope that he does have influence, even if it's just less censorship, even if it's just that the leadership is now less woke. Let's hope that this leads to some kind of accountability. I think it's kind of cool. Why can't our party, I'm guessing you mean the Republican Party, feature more electrifying candidates that register with party youth? So I think that's coming. Okay, I I mean, I don't know. I don't think the intention is necessarily to electrify the youth when you've got like J.D. Vance and Blake Masters. I don't know if like their intention is necessarily to bring in all the young voters, but I do think that they could accomplish that. And I think that one mistake that the GOP establishment makes is thinking or even just like conservative activists in general. Republican organizations. They think that the only way you're going to win young people is by being socially liberal or by being libertarian, that you can't care about marriage, you can't care about the family, you can't really care about abortion, you can't care about those things. You can only care about like capitalism and being able to go to Starbucks. I think that's so stupid because you're not going to get conservatism if you're not preserving the building blocks of any free society, which is the family, which then goes back to the more like existential reality of human beings, which is the definition of male and female. And so I think that it's really important that we are socially conservative, because I actually don't think it's possible to get economic conservatism without social conservatism. Conservatism is based on the idea that our rights come from God, that we come from a creator. That is why we believe that we have rights that supersede, that transcend the power of the government. And so if you're letting go of any biblical principles, if you're letting go of the belief in God is where our rights come from, you don't get the rest of conservatism. You just don't. And I've explained this many times and so I know I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't already know, but I think that it's a mistake for conservatives to abandon that, to try to make, you know, Republicans a big tent party. No, why don't you educate young people? Educate young people in what conservatism is. Why having rights that come from God rather than the government is important? Why the family is important? Why don't we educate rather than acquiescing to the views of people who don't even have developed frontal lobes? That's stupid. I do say, however, that um, people like JD Vance and like Blake Masters and this new crop of, I wouldn't necessarily, because I don't know if they would call themselves populists per se, but This new crop of anti-establishment type conservatives, I think just their personalities can can attract young people in the same way that Trump kind of did in the and DeSantis, by the way, I would put DeSantis in this in this group, too, that this kind of like anti-authority. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what Joe Biden says. I don't care what these activist groups say. I don't care what Disney says. I don't care what these corporations say. I care about what the people say. I care about doing what's right. And I'm not just going to be, oh, free market, yay, capitalism um, that, type Republican. I mean, capitalism is good. The free market is good. But let's use the power of the government that we have to accomplish policies that are going to help American families and the American worker. And look, I want a culture warrior. I'm a young person and I want these politicians to be culture warriors and I want them to not care what the corporations and what the, active, what the activist left says. That's what I want. I mean, I'm not an 18 year old, but I'm, I'm a 30 year old. I think that still counts as relatively young. And I like Ron DeSantis. I like these politicians that do not care what the media and other establishment types say. And they just do what we, the voters and conservatives, want them to do. So I think if Republicans wake up to that, then they will. They will, hopefully, um, bring more young people into the fold. But it also takes you and me educating young people against the propaganda that they are learning in school and from the media and on social media. All right, I'll answer another question in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor of the day, and that is ExpressVPN. Probably the sponsor that I use the most because it is always running in the background of my phone. It's an app that you fire up super easily and it protects your data. It hides your location and a lot of information about you that your phone is carrying around, that your internet activity is carrying around so that you are not, your identity and your activity is not available to your internet service provider. Um Netflix has different content libraries for every country. Netflix has thousands of shows, but without a VPN, you only get access to a fraction of that based on your location. But listen to this. This is just another perk of having a VPN. If you have a VPN, they can't see your location and you can actually have access to a much wider library of shows that are available to people around the world. So, That's interesting. Just another perk of having a VPN in addition to having all of your information protected on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, which we all do in our family. Plus it's really, um, it's a really like your internet will just run seamlessly. Like you don't have to worry about any of that. Fast speeds, all of that is going to stay the same with your VPN. It's compatible on all of your devices. There are servers in 94 different countries and it works with other streaming services bbc iplayer youtube and more be smart stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content and also protect your information while you're online go to expressvpn.com slash ali don't forget to use my link expressvpn.com slash ali to get an extra three months of expressvpn for free expressvpn.com slash ali Someone asks, is it a bad idea to listen to true crime podcasts? And I think maybe I've answered this before. I think I've talked about it. Maybe I talked about it on Instagram. I don't remember. But it's a good question. Um, I think that it can be. I think that it can be. We are told in Philippians 4 that we are to focus only on that which is pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. We're to think about these things. And God understands that when we don't think about these things, when we are dwelling on the bad, when we are dwelling on the dark, when we are dwelling on the corrupt, then our minds get very anxious. Now, I have heard from people that listening to True Crime podcasts has made you more prepared. It's made you more equipped. It's made you more of a critical thinker. Maybe that's possible. Maybe it's possible for you to listen to some kinds of true crime podcasts that are really just interesting. It's like unsolved mysteries. And of course, all of us who like to ask questions, we all like mysteries. We all like a story. I think that's part of human nature. Maybe it's possible to do that. But I think you have to be really, really careful about what we're consuming, no matter what the content is, and to make sure that it is not making us more anxious and more fearful and making us dwell on that which is only dark. We have to talk about hard stuff. We have to know about difficult things um, that are going on, corrupt things that are going on. We talk a lot about, about that kind of stuff on this podcast, but we also have to be reminded of God's sovereignty, that not a hair can fall from our head apart from the Father's will. And unless you are renewing your mind in that, I do think listening to true crime podcasts or any kind of dark content has the ability to really corrupt your mind and make you really sad and depressed and anxious. And you don't want that. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I think that doesn't help. That doesn't draw you more towards God. So I think it's just something, something to consider. Um, random things that are giving me joy. The weather gives me joy when it's warm outside. It's about to be blazing, blazing hot to where I won't want to go outside. And I'll be trying not to complain about that on this podcast in a couple months. But right now it's warm. It's been in like the 70s and 80s. And I just love being in our backyard, hanging out with our family. That is just like a simple thing that really gives me joy. Um, Someone asked, being prepared for food shortages versus relying on faith. So, I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive at all. I mean, we have faith that, like I said, as Matthew 10 tells us, that nothing can happen to us apart from um, the Father's will. And so, of course, we have faith in God. But at the same time, we are supposed to be working. Um, We are supposed to be working hard so that we can give to those who are in need and also to provide for our families. And actually, Scripture also says that those who fail to provide for their families are worse than an unbeliever. And so, and Proverbs 31 also tells us what a good woman and a good wife and a good mom looks like. Um it has to do with preparing her home, with making sure her home is prepared for the winter months and prepared for the hard times so that her family has something to eat. So, faith is not stupidity. Faith is not recklessness. Faith is not just throwing caution to the wind and not using the intellectual capacity that God has given us to um, to be able to think through things and to prepare and to think about consequences. And so I think it's both. I don't think we should be paranoid or I don't think that we should lose our presence and our joy and our contentment in this moment by preparing. But I absolutely think that we can have joy and we can have faith and we can have peace while also making sure that we are providing for our families as prudently as we possibly can oh this is a good one that kind of goes along with that Uh, if you could pick one special apocalypse skill or trade what would it be oh goodness this is hard because i have none and so i often think about this i'm like oh if what what do i need to learn to do well i don't really prepare and so like i'm not really a prepper as much as i talk about that it's important to do. so i keep telling myself that i'm going to i well i don't know how to sew i think it would be probably good to know how to sew to make clothes because you could not just make clothes for your family but you could also sell those things but i would love to be like a super skilled gardener or know anything about agriculture at all which i really don't I'm a suburb gal through and through. I love the idea of the country. I love the idea of, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere and like living on a farm with some animals. I think a lot of us have that fantasy and have over the past couple of years. It used to be that I would fantasize about like living in New York and just like loving that life. My husband and I used to think we wanted to do that. And then all millennials after 2020 were like, yeah, I need to learn how to make cheese curds using my own goats. I don't know why, but we just like I, I guess with COVID and everything, we just thought that it would be amazing to no longer live in the cities and to live as far out as we possibly can. The fact of the matter is I don't know how to do any of that. I I, I think probably I should say the most important thing would be to make food. That's probably most most important. So make food, sewing, if y'all know how to do that, um send me a step-by-step guide. That would be really helpful. Um so someone who follows me asked, and this is a great question. I think it's a question that a lot of us have right now. Well, she asks about friends, like how many people are in your circle of close friends? She said she's had a hard time keeping up with college friends now that she is a mom. Man, I can totally, totally, relate to this. It can be really hard to keep up with the different friends from the different stages of life and to make sure that you're being a good friend, that you know what's going on in their life, that you text them back. That's my downfall. I just have a hard time texting people back. And I'm not trying to scoff at that or I'm not trying to belittle that. I actually think that routinely not texting people back is a really bad thing. Like I I really do. I think that's a bad thing. And I am someone who is guilty of that. I love when people are um, responsive, although I give, I have absolutely no judgment or condemnation ever for people who don't text me back right away, or even like within a week, because I am continually that person. But I think it's awesome when people are like super responsive when I know that they're busy. So who, how many people, I don't really know. Like we have Church, we have a small group. So we have some couples there, and we are still learning. Like, we are still cultivating those relationships. We are still in the process right now. We are in this stage of finding our people. Like, I have friends from different stages of life, from different areas of my life that I keep in touch with. I do the best that I can. But we are still in the process right now of like cultivating our close, godly friendships. It's hard and it takes effort. It's not how it was in college when, okay, you just step out of your dorm room or your apartment and then you've got like 10 friends who you can go to lunch with and you can just like do life with. That's the thing. That's what creates friendships is really doing day-to-day life with someone and just the casual stuff. It's not, okay, necessarily having to plan three weeks in advance to have like a long, drawn-out conversation with someone. Although I think that can be great, but that's not really what builds the true edifying friendships and the friendships that I think that a lot of us at this stage in our lives are yearning for. It's really just the casual stuff. It's like, the hey what are you doing right now do you want to go get coffee or hey what are you doing right now can you watch my kids or hey can i bring can i bring you this or do you want to like borrow this book i think so much of our lives now are so segmented between work and church and personal life that we feel like every single part of our lives including our friendships have to be scheduled and that can actually be somewhat of a detriment to real organic friendships and i just to be completely transparent like i find that really difficult myself Because I'm just like the rest of you. I'm busy. I'm really busy doing this. This is not, this podcast is one of the jobs that I do in addition to writing and speaking and other things. Um, And then I've got my kids and my family. That's my first priority. And then of course you want to spend one-on-one time with your husband and then, okay, well, you've got small group or you've got church or you want to volunteer. It can be really hard to have those organic everyday life on life. That's Christianese terminology, friendships. And so I can't give you all of the I can't give you all of the advice on that or even put a number on that. I do my best to maintain the friendships that I have to like be a good friend and to listen to people and to talk to people. I have tried one thing I've tried to do is get more comfortable with having other people bear my burdens like Explaining the things that are going on in my life, the true like concerns and anxieties and fears that I have, that's hard for me. I don't like to I don't like to do that. I like to be the one that or that's bearing another person's burdens, giving advice, giving wisdom. I don't like to be in the vulnerable position of telling someone what I'm struggling with. And that can be difficult. I think a lot of us feel that way. So if this is like a struggle for you if you're still looking to like find your group of christian people i am with you i understand that and i think churches they do a lot of churches do the best they can a lot of churches don't though a lot of churches don't cultivate good friendships and they don't even really know how and a lot of people within the church maybe me included we're not good at cultivating those friendships. And so I don't know if that's necessarily like a good thing to end on, but maybe we should do a podcast like on friends and on friendships and on is it necessary to have that group? Or is it okay to just have like a bunch of different friends from different areas of your life? What is true accountability and Christian friendship and Christian discipleship and Christian community? What does that really look like? How do we really cultivate that? It seems like a lot of us are in the process of really, really trying to solidify that right now. Um, So I feel you, girl. I feel you. Last question is just a fun one. What sauce at Chick-fil-A? What kind of question is that? What kind of question is that? It is obviously Chick-fil-A sauce. I used to be a Polynesian sauce. That's the old me. That was when I was like little. A, Poly- a Polynesian sauce, and I like, I'm a, I'm a ranch gal, love ranch, but it's Chick-fil-A sauce. Obviously, that is the sauce that you get at Chick-fil-A. Come on. I might have to go get some right now. You've reminded me. Let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and then we will head on out of here, and that is Good Ranchers. Have I already done Good Ranchers? I don't remember, actually, as I'm saying this. if Okay. Okay, they just told me. I can't I can't remember. I can't remember what I've done. Okay, we haven't done our Good Ranchers ad this episode yet. So let me tell you about Good Ranchers. It's American meat delivered right to your front door on dry ice. You get all different cuts of meat, and you get better than organic chicken. We eat it almost every single night. It makes our life easier. We put it all in a freezer. If you're a single person, if you got a large family... It's all good. Just put it in the freezer. Eat what you want to every night or every week. And you can rest assured that it's not just high quality, but you are also supporting American farms and ranches. Most of the meat at the grocery store is actually imported from overseas. Bummer. Bummer. But you can not worry about that. And you can focus on helping rebuild American farms and ranches, especially right now when fertilizer price is so high and farmers are really struggling, support them by getting all of your meat from Good Ranchers, which is completely American. If you use my promo code, Allie, at GoodRanchers.com slash Allie, you get $30 off and free express shipping. So it's even more affordable and accessible to you. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for that $30 off. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay. That's all we've got for today. As I'm recording this, I think that tomorrow we have an interview talking about something really important and really big. So I I think things can change, but regardless, tomorrow will be a great episode. I just know that if you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That would mean so much. And please subscribe on YouTube, follow on Instagram and all that good stuff. I will see you guys back here tomorrow.